Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Locked On Phillies podcast. Well, actually, this is a Locked On Phillies, Locked On Padres crossover edition. Today is Monday, August 23rd, 2021. And... Of course, you know, my guy Javier Reyes from Locked on Padres joining me today for a crossover as the Phillies just got two of three from the Padres in San Diego. Certainly been interesting times for the Phillies bouncing back and winning two of three after losing three in a row to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Both the Phillies and Padres have recently actually had problems with the Diamondbacks, despite the terrible season they're having. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, as Javier and I were just talking about before. This podcast earlier today, Larry Rothschild, pitching coach for the Padres, getting canned, uh, apparently losing to the Phillies is the final straw for the San Diego Padres. So that's kind of funny. We'll get to that. We'll get to the series as a whole. The Phillies finding a way to win two of these games definitely should have won a third. I'll get his take on Saturday's game and a whole lot more. But first, Javier, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, man. Look, I remember the last time we talked, it was a lot different morale. You know, it was a lot different. For both energy. teams, actually. Yeah, both teams. 100%. Yeah. It was very, my team was looking like, all right, yeah, we're, we're trying to catch the Giants and Dodgers still. And now my team is just an absolute just disaster of nuclear proportions. And the Phillies, you know, you come off of that national sweep. You come off of the Mets sweep. And now they're kind of like in there. I know they're, they're 63 and 61 right now, which isn't like amazing, but there's been this kind of optimism, especially given that the NL East is uh, the division that you find yourselves in right now. So it's definitely been interesting, but I also have found it pretty funny. Like baseball, I, I was just writing about, uh, something earlier about this and it's all I wrote is like a sentence because it was just one of those days where just the creativity is not flowing. Let me tell you, and the Padres aren't helping with that. <laughs> uh, let's just say they're not making me happier uh, lately. Um, it's interesting that I think baseball is so frustrating because it's so impossible to have takes on like a week of action. You know what I mean? This isn't basketball. This is sometimes football. even a month, sometimes even a month because the Phillies all of a sudden, I mean, we got to talk about it. After that that stretch that I just mentioned about the Nationals and then the Mets, everyone's like Bryce Harper MVP. I don't know, but and then everybody being the fickle, you know, little turtle shell punks that they are. I don't even know what that means. They just immediately they're now they're like, oh, I don't know, Max Muncie, Brandon Crawford, or I don't know, back to Tatis, back to Tatis. I don't know, back to this guy, back, no Freddie Freeman. It's like guys, maybe we just need to wait, and maybe it's just a really really tightly contested NL. Uh, MVP race this year. And it just goes to show you the Phillies, all of a sudden, everyone was getting excited about them. Your boy Girardi, which I got to ask you about, who everyone was like, hey, look, the Yankees, they fell apart. And then uh, Joe Girardi, meanwhile, in Philadelphia has turned the season around. It's, it's amazing how quickly things reverse is basically what I'm trying to say. And I'm going to hand over back the, the stage to you because I'm talking too much to so go ahead. <laughs> no, absolutely. The Phillies, I mean, talk about not being able to react to a week. Won mm -hmm. eight in a row to start the month. Mm -hmm. August 1st, after, I can speak, 1st through the 8th. <laughs> We're both a mess. <laughs> August 1st. August 1st through the 8th. They won a game against the Pirates, four down at Nats Park, three at home against the New York Mets to take over first place in the National League East or the National League least, whatever you want to call it, for the first time since May. And everyone was like, Phillies are back. This is great. Bryce Harper's mm -hmm. going to win the MVP. Zach Wheeler's going to win the Cy Young. And those two things. Mm -hmm still theoretically could happen. There's still a lot of baseball left to be played. 
But ever since then, they lost two or three to the Dodgers, two of three to the Reds, got swept, got swept by the last place bottom feeder Arizona Diamondbacks. <laughs> and then finally won their first series since against the Padres this weekend, which prompted the pitching coach to get fired, which is still funny to me. To your point about, well, I'll get to Girardi in a second, actually. This team as a whole, one of my favorite stats, as you know, because I've been sharing it on Twitter a bunch throughout the season, is how drastically different this team is in the first week of a season versus all other games. The 24 mm. and six in the first week, or in the first week of months, rather. And they have a, it was 37 and 53 as of the other day. It might be 38 and 53 now in all other games like that is ridiculous huh. and it is just a I don't know what to make of that other than this team is a cycling pattern of they started off the year hot in the first week cooled off then in May they got hot again cooled off calendar mm-hmm. flipped to June they got a little hot cooled off calendar flipped to July they were looking good cooled off then it, you started August and they had their they hadn't won more than five in a row all year they went eight in a row including three straight over the Mets and it was like there's no reason this team can't win the National League East. Mm. And now we're sitting here on an off day on August 23rd, and they are five games out of the National League East, not behind. The Mets have totally just lost it. They're now mm-hmm. seven games out of the division. They were leading this division at the beginning of the month. For, the for most were, of the year. For most, for of, most the year. of the year. The Phillies are four and a half. We're four and a half out when they woke up on August 1st. They're now five out. And we're still, and we're 23 days into August. Javier, they had an eight game winning streak in there and have managed to be mm-hmm. so bad otherwise. And the Braves have just frankly gone on a tear winners of nine of their last 10 winners of nine in a row, actually, and have basically forgotten how to lose that. The Phillies are now further out than when they began the month prior to the eight game winning streak. That is ridiculous to me. It is ridiculous that the Phillies have just been so wildly inconsistent. The offense is just really not been consistent enough for a team that's built around offense, built around the idea that it will score runs, just has simply not been good enough during this stretch for many stretches throughout the season. JT Earl Muto, oftentimes before this year, were referred to as the best catcher in baseball, has been wildly disappointing at the plate. His mm-hmm. OPS dipped below 800 the other day. Andrew McCutcheon has really kind of gone cold here. They haven't had a leadoff guy or like Joe Girardi can't decide on a leadoff guy. All season long. Yeah, Bryce has been great. They were missing Reese Hoskins, who is a streaky hitter, and he had a few home runs the other day, but they certainly missed him in the lineup because now you're hitting Didi Gregorius and his less than 700 OPS in the cleanup, cleanup spot. Like the offense is not deep enough. The pitching isn't solid enough to do it. And then on top of all of that, they easily, in my opinion, should have gotten a sweep in this Padres series. No reason. And this is my rant on Girardi that you asked for. Literally zero reason that Aaron Nola should have been left once. I wouldn't have sent him out there for the ninth, but I get it. All of your relievers on Friday went more than 30 pitches. You're trying to stretch him as deep as you can. He took a perfect game into the seventh. He was looking really, really good. Probably the best stuff he's had all year. Yeah. And you ruin it because you leave him out there 110, 112 plus pitches, whatever it was. Tatis gets on base with a walk. And he shouldn't have been allowed to face Machado. Machado, fortunately, lines out the left. He's one out away, and Cronenworth hits the home run. Travis Jankowski trying to make, like, the catch of the millennium, by the way. just simply. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like, he, he tried his best. <laughs> he, he tried his best. I mean, good for him. But no reason Nola should have been left in. 
that move pulling him out of that game was reactionary, not precautionary. They go to Ian Kennedy. They lose the game in the 10th inning, of course, on a walk-off wild pitch. And the Phillies find a way to give another game away. And they cannot – they've been doing it all season. But, I mean, I've been saying all year you can't afford to give games away. It seems like a cliche. Well, you can't just afford to give games away. When the team leading your division is on a nine-game winning streak and is suddenly running away with this thing in late August, you literally – can't afford to give games away because you are digging your own grave and that's where the mm-hmm. Phillies are right now and they are in a worse spot now than when they began the month they had an eight game winning streak in there and they have totally unraveled all the progress they've made it's infuriating this baseball team to watch them day in and day out it's infuriating like you said trying to formulate takes opinions anything on this team but even just watching them day to day because there's sometimes real there's some really good highs there's a ton of lows the ways they find to lose they, the ways they find ways to lose games. It's just they, the way they raise it to an art form is ridiculous. And I've been saying for much of the year that this feels like a 500 team. They're two games above 500 right now. The sum of all parts at the end of the year, is probably going to be right around 500. They're probably not going to make the playoffs. They're probably going to be mathematically in it towards the end. Cause the Braves at some point you would think would cool off a little bit. They do have three games in September, late September with them. I think they'll mathematically matter. I don't expect this team to make the playoffs, but I expect them to kind of just hang on by a thread and tread water like they always do. Yeah, it's baseball sucks, man, because it's here's the thing. <laughs> like with your team, it's actually probably harder to cover your team just because like what I don't know what I would do because yours is literally it just goes up and down all the time. What do you want me to say? My team, it's a little bit more concrete. It's like no, the, the Pirates are kind of screwed right now. Uh, they're just falling apart and. Well, so I would literally so every sense of let me ask you about that because mm-hmm. and then, this Philly series yeah, is what finally knocked it. them out. They had been falling off, but this Philly series yeah. is what finally knocked them out of a playoff spot coming into mm-hmm. the year. Padres expecting, all right, they're probably not going to be the division winners in the NL West, though. If you talk to the Padres players, they certainly carry themselves in a way that believe they would contend for that. But most people mm-hmm. expected that they'd be the first wild card team. The Giants come out of nowhere with the best record in baseball for much of the season. They're Mm -hmm. running away with this division, which makes the Dodgers one of the best first wildcard teams ever. Unfortunately, I mean, if this were 10 years ago, the Padres would have no avenue to even make the postseason. They're in contention for that wildcard. But don't look now, but the Phillies beating them two out of three, they're actually a game behind the Reds. If the season ended today, the San Diego Padres, Slam Diego, Fernando Tatis, Manny Machado, this team that had so much promise before the season, this team that is really exciting to watch play, especially in those Dodgers series. And we're supposed to be the second Mm -hmm. team in the National League West that challenges them are getting, they're falling out of that. Does this team, Mm -hmm. what is your concern level? A, that they won't make the playoffs if you had to put odds on it. And what does this say that as bad as the Phillies have been, they couldn't even beat them. They couldn't beat the Diamondbacks. I mean, they're having their own, Form of really bad couldn't beat the Rockies <laughs> having their own form of really really bad struggles too and again we're still in August but they're running out of time it's disturbing how quickly the Padres went from having a lot of depth to being very similar to the Phillies to be honest with you where you've got Harper you've got guys like Segura you've got Zach Wheeler it's kind of been the same thing over here where it's like all right great we have Tatis we have Machado we have Cronenworth you have Joe Musgrove but the way I feel it is it's just and I know that like the Dodgers jerks will like say, see, you should have expected this. And it's like, all right, dude, awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
go have fun with, you know, getting Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, and still getting bounced in the playoffs. But, like, I just don't understand how there's not a single player that's overperforming, really. All right? So Tatis is doing everything expected. Machado's doing everything expected. Cronenworth, too. Musgrove, I would say, just in terms of a, a total season, probably he's been better than some people expected, although there was some really nice sleeper buzz on him. But you look at Tommy Pham. Basically had two months where he was awesome after having a miserable first month, grinding into double plays, not being clutch whatsoever. And then he becomes an on-base machine. He just isn't swinging at anything. He's an infuriating at bat for every team. And he falls into a slump and he still hasn't broken out of it. Trent Grisham also falls into like a month-long slump. Uh, Jerkson Profar, uh, after having his first good season, arguably of his career almost, uh, last year, shows this is why we shouldn't have used 2020 stats to kind of, you know, give guys contracts and what have you. And he's been really miserable. Hassan Kim, while he's fun and he's kind of a fan base guy at this point, the guy can't hit the ball like whatsoever. And then you've got uh, all the injuries to the rotation, which the rotation has even been performing well. Ryan Weathers, who was kind of the saving if there's, you know, I like when I like talking about you, you need to have those random guys that break out for your team when you want to break out, right? The Giants Phillies, apparently Phillies never have of this, them. by the way. Like, Phillies yeah, yeah. literally <laughs> never. And the Dodgers spit them out like it's nothing. The Dodgers spit them out like it's nothing. And the Giants, if there was 30 random breakouts this year, they have 22 of them, apparently, with Lamonte Wade, Darren Ruff. Uh, heck, I'll even throw Brandon Crawford in there. Like Brandon and, and Crawford remembering how to Logan hit. Logan Webb. Logan Webb. Lo- what are Logan, we doing? This, is, this Webb, is why baseball sucks because you have a team like the Padres go out and try and make these big trades. And it's almost like the baseball gods are punishing us for that. Now, Blake Snell, the worst he's been Chris Paddock injured. And he's hasn't regained what he was his rookie year. Nelson Lament can't stay healthy. Uh, Mackenzie Gore apparent. I mean, he pitched recently, which is the only good news has happened by the way for the Padres is he finally pitched. He looks good at a lower level. He got rid of that high leg kick, which is exciting, but it's just nothing is working for them. They clearly still, I don't want to say people are, uh, I know people would like to get on with the whole, they look like they don't even care. Yes, they do. They're professional athletes. <laughs> just to, to the breaking news for anybody, but it's really just been an amalgamation of bad for a while. And you thought that their struggles against teams below 500, like the Rockies, that it would eventually go away. Instead, it's only increased. And now they have, after this Philadelphia series, which one of the games was a little controversial, uh, Doug Eddings, you know, it, it was, let's just say it was an interesting uh, call by, by Doug Eddings. And <laughs> for sure. Oh man, look, it, it was, it was thrilling. First of all, the fact that that was the most excited I've been about a Padres game in a while <laughs> it speaks volumes to how mediocre just garbage they've been for a while, but it's just nobody stepping up. I think them firing Larry Rothschild, as you alluded to earlier, is a sign of panic. It's a sign of what is going on. But my thing is, I don't know what is going to happen to possibly change this. Tatis is still playing well. You still got some good players in this team, but injuries combined with the Giants and Dodgers being stacked, who they have to play like three more times each practically, or two and three, whatever it is. Uh, it just doesn't, it doesn't seem like they're going to be able to catch up. Your only hope is that the Reds, that some of their bats cool off and that maybe their rotation cools off too, but Wade Miley, Tyler Mayhley, Luis Castillo. It's amazing to say that I'm more confident in what they have starting pitching wise than the Padres by far. Javier, I want to hear more about this because there's so much more to unpack here, but first I have to tell <laughs> people about betonline.ag. It's, oh. that time of, it's that time of year again. All eyes are turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot 
for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest. Open now at betonline.ag. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus when you use that promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for a 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day Super Bowl promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using the promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing right now, your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all of the great offers available for the 2021 season and you will not want to miss it betonline.ag they are your online sportsbook experts javier as we sit here august 23rd if i had to ask you right now just black and white even odds are the san diego padres a playoff team when all the dust settles on sunday october 3rd or maybe there's a playing game on october 4th when the playoff bracket has its 10 final teams, are the San Diego Padres one of them? Uh, I want to say no, because it's easy to say no, believe it or not. I just, part of me is just hopeful that you get Snell, who's performed a little bit better lately. You get Darvish off of IL, and you just kind of have positive regressions where Darvish can't be this bad. Uh, post sticky stuff. Ryan Weathers, you can't be all of a sudden the least effective pitcher in baseball uh, for this much longer. You know what I mean? Instead of just being g- awful or amazing, how about we just have a little bit of medium and you guys just kind of play okay? That's what I need from them. I need guys like Daniel Hudson to stop blowing games for the Padres, Tim Hill to stop blowing games for them, uh, which happened this weekend. That's that's so part of me still thinks that on paper at some point, God damn it, this stupid sport. Dan, this stupid, stupid, stupid sport where the Giants can just pick off guys like it's it's candy in a candy store. And they're like, oh, cool. This this one looks good. This will work. We'll just use Darren Ruff for now. He'll be great. Brandon Crawford. He's literally in his career. Never like some people talk about Robbie Ray over the American League. while he looks like a Cy Young candidate, which he he really might be. Uh, We'll have to see how that race goes down. But at least he's he's been very good before. Brandon Crawford, from an offensive perspective, has never done anything even close to this before. I mean, at least Buster Posey's done this before. Everybody knows who Buster Posey for Brandon Crawford, are you kidding me? It's just so frustrating, right? But I actually wish that I could appreciate the Giants more if they, you know what I mean? If I was a cover of the Padres, if that wasn't my team. Out, yeah. yeah, it would be a lot more fun seeing the Giants outpace teams by, and I don't even think that is like a not trying, like they brought in guys, you know, this isn't a Cleveland situation. They just happened to do it by not spending any money really in the, in the grand context of things, but it's, it's really rough. I say yes, but it's, I have literally no basis for it. You know what I'm saying? I sorry. I know that I'm supposed to have a basis for these things, but I just think at some point guys have to stop being awful and just be fine at some point, like be an average WRC plus of 100 player Tommy fam learn how to hit the ball again you know Austin Ola has been doing pretty good for the team that's an underrated uh bright spot very good catch for them but just hasn't been able to uh stay healthy and maybe Blake Snow would be good the thing that makes me not feel good about it is the way that they fired Larry Rothschild which I can't remember the last time honestly to, to be perfectly honest in any sport where firing coaches 
a good portion of the way through the season actually turned out to be good. Usually it's like very early. So you know, maybe you look at like an Atlanta Hawks this past year, yeah, right, where they got rid of their coach and look what happened there. But I just usually don't see it. You know, the, the Cavs fired David Blatt midseason and Teron Liu won the finals. They did. They fired him midseason. That was 2016. Yeah, it was midseason. Are we sure? I will double check that. Okay. After okay. I give my answer here, but I'm all right. Then, then David Blatt. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm like almost positive that was yeah. It was 2016. They fired David Blatt. Teron Liu steps in. It, they, they were the Cavs were the number one seed, by the way. Basketball, mm-hmm. probably the only sport where you could be in first place and the coach gets fired because <laughs> he's not seeing eye to eye with LeBron or they think this isn't going to yeah, go. Yeah, you know, yeah. We don't have to go down to all that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so David Black got fired. Teron Liu steps in, wins the 2016 finals or LeBron won the 2016 finals, but it was a new coach. You, you know what I'm getting at here. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a point blank answer. And this answer really hasn't changed for me all year. The Phillies are not a playoff team. They have shot themselves mm-hmm. in the foot way too many times, like way too many times. The offense, as I mentioned, not consistent enough. They've had bullpen issues, but I think they that's not the top of the list this year, the way it ha- was last year when they had the worst bullpen in 90 years in Major League Baseball. They could have used some more rotation depth for sure, mm-hmm. but all things put together, I just think it's an overly expensive mediocre roster and what I fear is happening here and this is the worst thing you can have in an entire fan base right is look Philadelphia first and foremost loves their Eagles over anything else that's not to say they can't get behind other teams like crazy Citizens Bank Park was the loudest stadium I've ever been in when I was at some of those playoff games I remember when Shane Victorino hit the Grand Slam in 2008 off CC Sabathia. And I wasn't fortunate enough to go, but I had friends who were there when they won the world series, the city went nuts and it ended a 25 year title drought and everyone got behind that team. And I was at, I've been to Sixers playoff games. That team hasn't gotten over the hump, but it is loud when that building is rocking the teams into it. And the flyers run to the Stanley cup. Like they will get behind the other teams, but the Eagles first and foremost is the team. Everybody lives and dies with, and they're about to come back. And In Philadelphia, as much as any other city in the country, if the baseball team is not relevant in September, if the team does not give people a reason to pay attention once the Eagles get going here, then it's just going to turn to flat apathy. And I almost feel like that has already happened to an extent. Like People were getting excited after that first week of August when they won eight in a row and people who hadn't you know, kind of just been paying attention from afar and hadn't been going down to the ballpark and hadn't been living and dying with this team every day are suddenly much more invested and we're ready to get on board for August throughout the end of the season, right? And because what they've done since, like once they got everyone's attention, once more eyeballs started laying upon them, they totally lost it. And this team has now been not relevant for so long. Like they haven't had a winning season since 2011, the last time they made the playoffs, the longest playoff drought in the National League, and they haven't had a reason. They've been relevant in September, but not a real reason to captivate a fan base where people care. Mm-hmm. If you are overly, if you're overpaid and you're an expensive team, and sure Bryce Harper's still on the team, but the honeymoon with that wears off. Him going after an MVP race and Zach Wheeler in a Cy Young race for a team that's five games out of a playoff spot is not going to be enough to get people to really pay attention through the end of the season. here, 
maybe what they need is people just flat out ignoring them and not caring. But the Phillies have been so mediocre for so long. Mm-hmm. And I think the past few weeks since that eight game winning streak have been kind of a good way of encapsulating that, that they're really just driving people to apathy, which is not good. It's not good for baseball in Philadelphia. It's not good for a Phillies fan base that has waited forever. And they're just going to flat out get people who are checking out because that's what this team has shown a consistent basis to to do. And one more thing, this season, besides being a flat out just failure for not winning the National League East when you literally had it in your grasp in August, and again, it still could happen. I don't expect it to. When is the opportunity to win this division ever going to be this good again? Like this division, mm-hmm. maybe the Braves stay that, yeah. hot. Maybe they get to 90 wins. But let's assume that this division is won somewhere in the mid, maybe high 80s, as we've kind of been expecting all season. If this Phillies team, with how much money they have committed to Bryce Harper, JT Romuto, they went out and got Zach Wheeler. Now McCutcheon's contract's going to end. They're going to have bullpen pieces always can be moved around in the offseason. They got the second year of Didi Gregorius next year. They, they could make this team look pretty different next year. But when is the division ever going to be this open in the primes of Bryce Harper having a really good year, Zach Wheeler having a really good year? Like It feels like you're getting what you would need out of your stars to win this division ordinarily, plus the fact that every other team in your division hasn't been as good as anybody thought. And they're still not going to do it. It seems like the window of opportunity is as wide as it's ever been. And they're going to blow it. And that is just what's so frustrating to me. We're going to wrap up this, uh, you know, crossover episode in just a little bit. But first, I have to tell you about rockauto.com, Javier. This episode episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain and auto parts store to stock all the parts you need in that traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts in their computer, choosing only the brands their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using rockauto.com. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rockauto.com is a family business serving the do-it-yourselfers for more than 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every kind of customer. They have everything you could need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even that new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Also have to tell you, Javier, about Spotify Greenroom. This episode is brought mm. to you by Spotify Greenroom. Greenroom is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download. And once you're in, you can talk with me. You can talk with Javier, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I host Reams, rooms, I should say, every single week for Locked on Phillies. Once a week, yes, you can finally join in on the conversation that you about the team you listen to and watch every single day. Once again, this episode brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. It's the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you. Watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You can even find Locked On hosts, not just on the Locked On MLB platform, NBA, NHL, NFL, 
they are all there. Go download the free Green Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter account, and join the respective league group you're looking for for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues, and I can't wait for all of you to join the app. Download the Green Room app today. Green Room, it's changing the way we talk sports. Javier, if there's one thing you could change about now and the end of the season, I know you mentioned just getting average play out of guys. I know you mentioned that this team is kind of just spiraling out of control as we've seen losing the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, struggling with the Phillies, now kind of hitting the panic button, firing Rothschild. If there's one thing, if I said to you, the Padres need to do X, short of the answer being winning games or scoring more runs or just allowing less runs, the X factor for the Padres making the playoffs from now until the end of the season is what? I think they need their own as someone who's on the East coast. This is why I'm going to say this because I've been watching a lot of them lately. Cause even when they've been losing their games have been exciting. They need their own Nestor Cortez, Andrew Velasquez, a guy who just breaks out for a week, a guy who can just step up for a week. They need one of Adam Frazier, the, the infielders. I think they need someone out of that infield aside from Tatis. And now that Tatis is in the outfield, but you get what I'm saying. Um, they need Frazier. Profar, Hassan Kim, one of those guys to really, really step up and have a great month. That's all I'm asking for. Heck, give me two weeks. Heck, just, just, never mind what I just said before. Give me a week. I think that's what they need. They need to get healthy. They just, I know I said it before, but they need to be average. And, you know, with your team, which is extremely top heavy, which what you alluded to before. And it's crazy because I know the Mets have been a dumpster fire, but theoretically they should get better in the future. This is still a team kind of locked in for a while. The Braves will probably be better because that's that's such the frustrating thing, right? Because the Braves have had the season from hell and they still might make the playoffs. It's what it's looking like right now, where you are Marcelo Zuna, Ronald Acuna Jr., Soroka setback, Max Fried being bad, all sorts of things. Everything went didn't go their way and they still might win that division. You know, it's, it's funny. I wonder, like, is there a realistic world where Shohei Otani wins the MVP and then for the National League, Bryce Harper was the MVP, and then Zach Lurie gets the Cy Young. Two teams uh, in both the American League and National League, the, some teams. of the most important. I don't remember the last time that's happened, where it's been both teams that get like the top biggest. Uh, you know, kind I of. Just, um, I think Tatis ultimately wins it. I think the reason why mm-hmm. everyone was saying, "Well, someone else could win it," was due to injury. He's back. Yeah. He's remind mm-hmm. everyone Only how good he is. Less than Harper. Yeah. Yeah, he's gonna remind everyone how good he is. He's gonna more than likely play well as he usually does from now until the end of the season. I think it's his award to lose at this point, Mm -hmm. but no, you're absolutely right. The Phillies. I mean, any team could use a breakout just for a couple of weeks, a month, even just a week, whatever the case might be. I wanted to ask you about two quick things that we saw in this series. Number one, so the Phillies have been plagued with bad defense all season long. Fernando Tatis coming back. We know he is not the greatest defender, uh, getting the mm-hmm. nickname online, uh, T-A-T-E-6, uh, instead of yeah. Tatis, but he's ridiculous yeah, on cute. offense, and they've moved him <laughs> to the outfield. A, what have you made of the move? And just moving like a staple of your franchise, his position, how do you think he's reacted to it? I mean, he's obviously doing it and seems to be okay with it. Do you think it's a good move for the Padres? Because the Phillies have struggled with trying to put guys in good defensive positions all year long and never really gotten to make it work. And then the, my last question for you will be, you, you alluded to the 
uh, Doug Edding's bad call and Machado mm-hmm. the other night, would you be in favor of the electronic strike zone, the robot strike zone going next year? Because there's, as per usual, like technology gets better and better. We have these strike zones now. You can track it on the MLB app when you're watching the games themselves. They all have the rectangle with the strike zone. So we know how good or bad these umpires are. Would you be in favor of finally flipping the switch to that? I'll get you out of here on those two questions. All right, cool. So let's start with the Tatis thing. So first of all, every coward out there that's trying to be the contrarian that's just like, oh, he, well, he's bad at defense. It's like, all right, yeah, because famously in Major League Baseball, uh, being an elite defender is what you know makes you the most valuable player in the league. It's like, no, the offense matters more. Um, the, the defense doesn't not matter, but that's just kind of what what the case is. He's he's out playing it. It doesn't matter. Go ask Derek Jeter how much defense mattered for him. He was so good as a bat. Uh, ask him how his career turned out. So that I'm not. And the other thing is, it's interesting, though, because him playing in right field, there was a moment, I think it was in this weekend, unless I'm kind of conflating and it was in the Rocky series, that there was a ball hit kind of shallow to right field that he slid for instead of made a diving catch for. And I kind of in my head was like, I wonder if that was just hesitancy because of the shoulder. The thing about the outfield is we all envision in our minds because of how all out he plays the idea of him running for some diving catch and that messing up the shoulder more reaggravating it, possibly even making it even worse than it already has been. I think that it's interesting because in theory, they say that the, the, the throw from the outfield isn't necessarily as strenuous as, you know, throwing from shortstop to first base all the time constantly. It gives him a little bit of a break. It gives him a little bit of a breather. It adds utility. It makes it that in the future, if you want to move, maybe Hassan Kim, if you ever figure, figures out how to hit, you move him to shortstop or something like that. Maybe when you call up CJ Abrams, most likely next year, you could put him at shortstop. That might be the plan. Um, I, I don't think it's that bad of an idea. I'm really curious to see how it pans out because also freak athlete, cannon of an arm. Uh, just go look at the numbers from not just this year, but last year, throwing just consistently 96 miles an hour uh, to first base. So he's got that arm strength and he's got that athleticism to be at least have some range. But I wouldn't expect him to be a great defender this year because of the aforementioned hesitancy, I think, with his defense. But I'm curious about it. And I think a lot of it honestly has to do with just having guys that can play the position. You know, what I mean, he's he's made diving plays in the infield and that's what gets him in trouble. So maybe they're saying, go over there. We don't care if you don't dive for a ball, just hang out, get to the ball quick and then fire it. And we're fine. Um, and I respect that. And, you know, like I mentioned with Abrams being called up, maybe that's the plan for the future. And then I think you also asked about Doug Eddings. Well, just the uh, strike zone in general. That, that was just the latest exa- so example. Yeah. The one thing I will say is it's not like Manny wasn't asking to be ejected. I had no problem with literally ejecting Manny Machado because he's I'm literally yelling Mach- at him. I'm just using Machado yeah. as the example mm-hmm. for a greater issue that exists. So I talked about this on Monday's episode and my, my as a human being, I am always, it's so hard for me to be down with making people want to lose their jobs, especially when it comes to replacing them with robots. I, I just feel like that's a, a, an issue in society that might be rearing its head. However, as my mom did so eloquently put in my face, she's like, you know what? All right, relax. This isn't like the Amazon stores. All right. This is umpiring a major league baseball. This isn't some wide going to change the entire workforce if they did that. And I think she's right. I think she's right. I think that my bigger issue are the umpires, not the ones that have a bad game, but the fact that it's so consistent, the ones that have a bad game and the job security seemingly. For the ones that have a bad game. Why is it that Angel Hernandez is trending on Twitter like every night? And there's just, we know he's not going anywhere. 
you know, nowhere whatsoever. And it's not like these guys aren't paid anything. They're paid quite handsomely, actually. They're paid very well. They're given a lot of benefits and stuff, too. So my thing is, I think we should have some bar of standard of being like, if you are consistently this bad, we we need to, like, start considering some other options. So even though I am hesitant and I don't like uh, campaigning for people to lose their jobs, I do acknowledge that it's probably going to happen. They've been experimenting with it, I know, in the minor leagues and stuff. So, you know. It's probably going to happen. And I think Saturday was a good example of that. And I think you've had moments all year. I mean, your team was involved in it that early Sunday night baseball game between the Phillies and the Braves with Alec Bohm allegedly touching home plate or whatever it was. Not allegedly. <laughs> that he was, didn't. He missed it. Yeah, he did it. <laughs> he did it. And the fact that on replay, you still get that wrong. I mean, that might not even be something that could fix be fixed with the, the robo umpires. But all I know is that I think baseball is heading towards um, a reckoning in that respect. I think that. It doesn't it feel like we're this close to having a, a, a call that really matters, like in a World Series game, a Saints Rams, the no pass interference from a few years ago. And that, and it you know, just what? feels like we're building up to that It in sports or in life, like w- changes are often made in a reactionary way. Like that's what's going to ultimately happen to get this over the hump. It's going to take something like if something like that were to happen, it, they would say, mm-hmm. all right, enough. Mm-hmm. That's why there's been such hesitancy. Obviously, the umpires union does not want this. Yeah. If I were Major League Baseball, and it's easy for me to say it's not my money, you're doing quite fine. I think you could still afford to pay these umpires just the same, and they're not going to do it because their value goes down. But just be like, hey, we're going to pay you just the same. You're still going to make all the car calls at first, second, and third. We're still going to have a replay. You're still going to be one relaying the calls. But mm-hmm. they've almost taken it too far to not do it, in my opinion. As I mentioned, you have the strike zone in every single broadcast. Any Tom, Dick, and Harry sitting at home can go on the MLB game day app and see whether the pitch was a centimeter outside or not. How do you, like, this isn't the 90s where you're just watching on TV and saying, I think that was a bad call. Like Everyone knows in real time the pitch speed, location, and exactly whether it was a strike or not. So if everyone at home can see it, I just don't think, I think you the goal has to be to get the call right. You're not going to totally get rid of umpires. I understand for years, umpires have balls and strikes. They will not like the change, but there's an agreement in my opinion, you could reach of like, you are not, we're still going to keep you guys employed. You're not going to have as much yeah. to do in terms of balls and strikes. You guys won't get screamed at anymore for yeah. missing these calls. Now, maybe guys who make it to that level are probably immune to that kind of thing. And in the case of a guy like Joe West, kind of like it a little bit, it seems like, you know, <laughs> yeah. getting in those arguments, really like taking charge of their own game. But let's just focus on getting the calls correct. Like you said, it's only a matter of time until something, a World Series game gets decided on this or a big time mm-hmm. playoff game gets decided on this. And then everyone's going to react too far the other way. And that's when it's never good when you're doing things in reaction to something, because that's usually when you take things too far. If you did yeah. this in a precautionary way and said, hey, Let's see what it looks like first, too. Let's see. Let's see what what it looks like. There have been issues in the minors of like a pitch bouncing, and that's a strike. So you're going to have some human aspect Mm -hmm. to it. But there's no reason to me why you couldn't have an umpire behind there, someone watching the game on TV. I mean, 99% of these calls, you could just be like, yeah, that was in the strike zone, call it a strike. And it seems like it would be pretty simple. So it seems like to me, anyway, it's the year 2021, next year will be 2022. I think it's time to go to that. I'm about accuracy and getting the call right i'm not in favor of over replaying sports when it extends the game too much i think this one's a pretty simple one that they've been testing out in the minor leagues i think it's eventually time to do it i think we're just 
delaying the inevitable. And your mom's right. This isn't like getting robots to taking out the workforce. Yeah, jobs yeah, yeah. Amazon, right. <laughs> it, is, it is a little bit different. So that is my, my take on it. But Javier, always fun. Let's mm-hmm. hope for better times ahead for both of our teams. The Phillies and Padres do not step on the Let's field hope. again this so. season. Uh, Phillies, again, just took two out of three. Uh, intense series. A close game on Friday night. A 4-3 win for the Phillies. Uh, Saturday night, a game they blew. I pinned that on Joe Girardi, who I've been unhappy with all season long. They get back Reese Hoskins on Sunday. He homers a couple of times. Phillies offense explodes. Mm-hmm. Really, really nice to see. They get two of three after getting swept by the Diamondbacks. They got four more with the Diamondbacks later on this week. So we'll see how that fares again. But uh, certainly interesting times for our teams, both in contention for the playoffs, both not currently in the playoffs. So that will be Interesting. But Javier, before I let you go, I do have to let the people know about locked on bets, right? Mm. Betting on baseball does not have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new locked on bets podcast, I know it can seem like a guessing game. I know we're sitting here saying like it's up and down for roller coasters. If you listen to locked on bets hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, they will let you know what you need to be betting on. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the locked on bets podcast. Brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast. Javier, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, sir.